This week on the OneCast, we're going to talk about how to get somebody involved in fishing, some of our favorite fishing memories, and uh, just general experiences we enjoyed on the water. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. What's going on, fans Whoa. of the One Cast? Stole Man, it from I, you, Pete. Like you know, you know, we got to come up with a name for our people. All right, yeah, like so, the, the casters or something. Yeah, like, like what's going on, casters? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's it's always hard to get that first like intro sentence out. You know what I mean? Like we don't script any of this stuff uh, just for you guys, uh, just so you know. But um, it's just hard sometimes. You get tongue twisted on trying to figure out the words that you need to bring out of your mouth. Uh, to make this show awesome, but head on over to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the onecast, save some money at checkout, get yourself some of those goodies, some of those soft plastics that uh, Ben just restocked, some of those snaggles jigs, some of those weedless net heads, some of those long neck hooks that have been crushing them on Carolina rigs. Not gonna lie, I lost a couple hooks uh, because I tied pretty poor knots the other day. But head on over to onecastfishing.com, use the code the onecast. And get yourself some savings on that. Also, Pete, did you want to bring up anything on uh, upcoming friends? Upcoming friends? You no. Mean, like partnerships? No. Yeah. Not well, yet. You're going to have to if, wait. If, if you're watching the YouTube version, then uh, check out our hats and, and see the logo <laughs> on there. And that, that might give you a little little clue. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't, don't zoom in too far, though. I'm yeah, no. So, <laughs> yeah, September 1st, we're going to announce a partnership. We've been putting some teasers on Instagram, uh, floating some stuff around. Uh, it's something you've seen us uh, use or wear or throw or fish with on the show on YouTube videos. We've talked uh, we've talked about it before. So make sure uh, you keep keep tuned. Stay tuned for that. Tuned. Uh, make sure you check out For His Glory Outdoors. Uh, great tournament coming up. We're gonna, I'm going to get him on uh, one of our lives here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, fx3inc.org heroes harvest special operations back anglers uh, all of those organizations to help support those that have uh, fought for our country uh, and uh, continue to be ready if called upon so yeah. uh yeah make sure you check them out and it's been uh i don't know how you have been Trey, trey's been on some fish i i have not been on the water uh <laughs> too busy doing the business stuff uh, and some issues there. I don't want to get into, but, uh, you know, in the teaser, you know, you mentioned about bring folks fishing, mm -hmm. but before we get in that, um, and if we want to, if you had something else to say, but it gives you a chance to think about the answer. I want to ask you guys, why do you all love bass fishing? What is it about the sport that is our passion? And the reason why we have this podcast where we sit around and run our sucks talking about <laughs> little green fish that, Swim in the water. Yeah. Hey, so for everyone, uh, running your suck is just running your mouth. Uh, it's a very uh, heavy military term. Um, and that's a great question. And and for, hey, listen, everyone, obviously, we want to know why you love bass fishing. Um, and we also need you to do us a favor and leave us a review on anything that you're listening to. It's not like Spotify, Apple, all that stuff. Leave us a review and share this with your friends. It really helps us grow the show. But kind of, and, and let us know why you like bass fishing. Um, man, that's a great question. And I think every single person probably has a different, I, I think a lot of the answers are similar. Yeah. Um, but maybe how people got into bass fishing is very different. Uh, so 
I'll just tell you, like bass fishing to me, the reason why I love it so much is it's challenging. You know, it, yeah. it consistently challenges your your decision making process. But that's not like I didn't get into bass fishing or fishing in general because it was so challenging. You know, you're right because that's a lot of the reason why I love it. Because to me, it's four dimensional chess in a way because. We're out there chasing these little green fish that have small brains that pretty much should operate on instinct. And we think we had developed patterns over the years and how they should operate. But we all know you go out there one day and you go to the very next spot the next day under the same conditions and they're not there. Yeah. They, you are competing against nature. So all the elements out there, you're competing against these living creatures that can do whatever they want and they yep. can do things that don't make any sense. Don't make any sense. Or maybe it does make sense to them. We just don't know that yet because, you know, with forward-facing sonar, we're learning so much more about bass behavior. But, you know, you, you have all those elements in there. There's so many variables involved. And, you know, anglers, we, we talk you know, color, right, on our lures. Like, maybe it makes an impact. Maybe it doesn't. And I did, right, you can go down that rabbit hole. Now, there's just so many variables involved that you're trying to put this puzzle together. Mm -hmm. just put five decent fish in the boat and hopefully do so well. And then if you're a tournament fisherman on top of that, not only are you competing against the elements, nature, these fish, but you also have to do it at a better level than everyone else on the water with you. Yeah. I, I just think it's, it's one of those sports or one of those recreational activities that it can just like, if, if you do it right and you're ethical and moral about it, like it, it can make you a better person. I, I feel like it can, right? Like, for me, I know in, in, in what I do for a living and even the family background I come from, like I got started in the, in the outdoors with, with my family. They were very outdoorsy, but I wasn't really into bass fishing. Yeah. You know, it was like multi-species. I think I talked about it on multiple shows ago. Um, but, you know, the bass part of it, man, I didn't really get into it until like the last seven years or so. Uh, and, and I got into it on a, on a, on a, just a whim, man, just signing up for a random like warriors on the water tournament. And for some odd reason, like something stuck in my head. And I was like, this is the coolest thing that I've done besides like jumping out of an airplane or whatever the case may be. Like it, it does stimulate an adrenaline rush that I don't know if I'm able to explain it, but for me, it satis satisfies me. And you're right. Like it's just a constant never ending puzzle. Like you're never going to, you're never going to solve it. it dude. And, and that reward you have when you, mm -hmm. when you solve it and you do really well, you catch a monster fish um, years ago, I know, years ago, probably like 2016 or 17, Rick Klein caught a massive fish in a tournament. And like he's, he, his hands were shaking. He's like, when my hands stop shaking, that's when I'll quit fishing. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Like you, you get that feeling that, I mean, I mean, you pull a big one in the boat. You're like, everyone's stoked. Right? Yeah. yeah. Regardless of what like the outside demeanor is, right? There's folks out there who are super calm and all, but I mean that that's the reward you get, and it's absolutely right. That's why we all love it. I don't know, Pete. You you've been pretty yeah. quiet. So <laughs> I think for me, like what what got me hooked at a young age was it was it was a bunch of people like I was watching on TV doing something that I could relate to, and and it's it's become it's become, we know it's not about money now. It's not necessarily a rich man sport, but it makes it a lot easier if you have funds. Yeah. It wasn't always like that. And, you know, growing up watching, watching the, when it was the one fifties and, and even before that, whatever, whatever the elite series was back then, you, you just, those guys reminded you of folks that you hung, like they remind me of the guys that were in my dad's garage mm -hmm. drinking beer over the weekend. Like, yeah. and 
the other thing that drew me like i, I outside of work because i have a, a job that you have to be very conformist to and you have to follow rules pretty strict but like I don't like rules. I don't like being told a certain way. And I don't mean like tournament rules, but with bass, like there's no right or wrong way to go out and catch a fish oh, is what I'm yeah, getting yeah. at. Like you can put your own twists on, on things. And that's how all these different techniques and well, that's all what this Maddie stuff was, comes up. Um, Maddie Wong was talking about. Last yeah. Week. If you listen to last week's episode, like you can, you can do the same thing completely different and it worked for you. You can change baits. You can, I mean, you can do anything, you know, think about the guys that decided to, to stick toothpicks in a, in the tail of a worm to make it float. Now everybody knows that trick. And if you didn't, that's a great trick. If you want to make your tail float, uh, like for me learning, you know, guys figured out to squeeze salt out of a Senko to change the fall rate or mm-hmm. so you can make the tail, the, the tail float different, you know, all of those things in different ways you can change baits and using markers. And, and now we have markers specifically for, but I remember carrying Sharpies around to add, you know, a little bit of color here or there. And uh, I see those arguments all the time. You brought up earlier about color, like, does it matter? And, I mean, I know there's days where it's one color and <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that we, we, we can get. Like, you know, like it, it doesn't matter to it matters. And, and it doesn't matter until it matters. Yeah. You know, it's one of the, <laughs> right. And it's one of those things I think I've talked about before. Like there's so many variables, right. And, it, you know, as fishermen, as really as humans, like you change something and it works or like, oh, that that's, that's the solution. Maybe, maybe not. There's so many other variables involved. One thing I did want to mention, though, is that, and, and Pete, this is a good point. You you brought it up. Is that you know on the competitive tournament side, like it, it's become very expensive. But this sport, this hobby, doesn't have to be that. Like, Not at all. There are still plenty of folks out there who are just doing it for pure fun and enjoyment and escape. Right in the veteran community, there's a lot of folks who have gotten to fishing because it was yep. a release. And it helped uh, with PTSD, just being in nature and connecting that way. And we've talked about numbers before, what, yeah. like 50 million anglers and 1% of those are, are your tournament. That's right. Like bass fishermen. So it, most it, people are just out there doing it for fun and they just want to get into it. And you see it on groups all the time on what I hate more than anything is social media because of the way people treat each other on there. But yeah. you'll see a guy like my kid wants to get into fishing. What should I do? And they're like, I'll pick a cheaper sport. And it's like DM that guy. I'm like, man, go to Walmart and buy the Shakespeare start fishing kit that's got some Senkos and some hooks in it, and it comes with a cheap yeah. little rod, and just go to a pond, buy your license, because they will hammer you, but yeah, like just go to a pond and start fishing, or buy some night crawlers and, and some hooks and a bobber, and go, go soak them and just figure it out. And if you want to get more, like the good thing about social media is there's so much information out there now that you can, you can gather, that you can learn, you know, from other people's mistakes and, and lessons they've learned, but like, like you said, it's not, you don't have to have a ton of money to just go out and fish. You always hear fishing so expensive, fishing so expensive. It's really not if you just want to go fish. I mean, a cane pole will catch a bass. Yeah. I F- mean, fishing, any fish, yeah. Fishing, it, expensive is, is, well, obviously it's relative, but fishing is only expensive if you're trying to be like the person you're following on social media or you're trying to, you, you, there are stepping stones to progressing in anything that you want to do. Yeah. Um, and, and we want to, so like kind of the theme of this is like, how, how do you, how do you get people into the outdoors? How do you get people fishing and stuff like that? And talking about some of our memories and stuff, but you, you literally just have to just go do it. Like if there was anything, just invite, just somebody, man. invite some, if you know how to do it, uh, invite somebody to go do it. Or like, if you don't know how to do it, then just go try it out because you don't have to tie a Pelham or not. You don't have to tie an improved clinch knot. 
you don't even have to use a fishing pole. You can use a water bottle, right? I, I mean, there are literally, yeah. and, and listen, please go back to our last episode and listen to Matty Wong, which is only part one. But he kind of breaks that down like somebody who comes from the islands and progressed all his way to the Bassmaster elites. But like unlocking your imagination and creativity is really going to make you um, it's going to it's going to bring the whole world forward, man, in, in a fishing world. And it and com, I think a lot of times we, like on social media, it's not the 50 million recreational anglers that get involved on social media i think it's the one percent tournament anglers that get involved on social media nah, 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 and they make like, a lot of those comments, it's definitely right? a lot of just recreational guys too like it, it's everybody on social media thinks they know everything and they, they just want to be ignorant i wouldn't say that i, I it's think it's not just people just it's just people you catch a big fish you want to post that picture i mean yeah go down the road here right the the little tri bait tackle shop what's on the wall up there a bunch of pictures. A bunch of pictures from like the 80s, right? Of these yeah. massive yeah. people want to, you know, share that success. And that's right. You know, social media, a lot of people are just doing it because they, they push the I think what Trey was saying that it's the tournament guys that are ugly on there. And I it's de it's definitely not just tournament guys. I know plenty of people that act like jerks that have never fished a tournament in their life and never will. Um, it's just it's an opportunity for you to to act like you know what you're talking about. Even yeah. if you don't and be, you know, flex on the internet, but we're not, we're not going to go to the negative. So for me, like just take somebody fishing, like just invite your, your kids, friends, or your, you know, if you got a buddy at work that you talk to all the time and you're always talking about fishing on the weekend, say, Hey man, why don't you come out with me? Like take them out on the water to the pond or wherever it is that you go and, and just introduce somebody to, to the sport. Yeah. And they may hate it, but they might fall in love. And then now you've got somebody to fish with if you don't have, you know, a close group of friends yeah. or people that you do fish with, or that gives them an opportunity now to maybe get their kid involved. And, you know, it, it's, um, it's a cascade effect when you get, you know, you get people involved. Uh, if they fall in love with it, then they're going to get other people involved and we can keep the sport growing and keep it evolving. And, and just think if everybody that's listening to this, somebody got them started, whether it was their parent, uh, whether it was a YouTube video through COVID. I mean, a lot of people, started fishing because they were watching YouTube through COVID and a video popped up and they clicked on it and they were like, man, that dude's fishing in the HOA pond. <laughs> I got one of those. And then they go to Walmart and buy an ugly stick and they're out there throwing a sinker around. And you know, now they've got $5,000 kayaks and they're, they're all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. It definitely hooks you. Right. Exactly. You know, when I think about my story, like my fishing story, you know, you went fish, you know, because I'm a little bit like you, Trey. Um, I didn't really get into the bass fishing hardcore until right, 2013, 14, after I got in the Army. Um, and I'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, I remember as a child, um, one of, you know, one of my first fishing members, I remember after church on Sunday, uh, my dad was in the Marine Corps, so we didn't get to go fishing a whole lot. And he was a recruiter in Arkansas. And it was after church on Sunday, and we decided to go fishing. I was probably... I don't know, seven, six, seven. And uh, we got in a 73 Dodge Charger. And I remember, right, pulling out of the driveway. <laughs> and my sister, who's a couple years younger, was just looking out the window looking so sad because we were going on the fishing trip. Um, she never got the fishing bug. She never got hooked. But uh, maybe she should have went. Maybe she would She would have been. That's right. But, but I, we went over to Lake Norfolk, um, which is by Mountain Home, where he worked at, which is still odd to me because we lived in Flippin. We were close to the Bull Shoals. But... I guess you know, uh, there was a good bank fishing spot because we didn't have a boat or anything. And uh, we were, we ended up catching 
three fish total and I caught two. My dad caught one. And ever since then, I've been a way better fisherman than him. <laughs> Don't talk about hunting. That's a different story. <laughs> but um, so, you know, I remember that was little. I loved it. There was a couple summers and I went back to Missouri. I would use my uncle's pontoon boat and stuff. But it was really like 2013 or 14. I was like, I just want to go fishing, but I I want a boat. I want to be able to move around and do all this. And so it was like most most expensive date ever. I went, I was back on leaving Missouri, went up to Bash Pro. I was like, I want that Bash Tracker and paid for it and came, picked it up like the next day or the day after. And then it's been. And then you were a professional angler. Exactly. No, 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 right? I spent a couple of years. I didn't even know how to use a trolling motor at well, first. Like I didn't, I like, it took me forever to figure out how to use a trolling motor. I mean, that's kind of embarrassing to admit because I didn't realize there was a little triangle on top of it that tells which direction you're going. I'm like, oh, why is yeah. this thing going in circles? So, you know, <laughs> go, going back to your, your, your initial fishing trip with your dad, fishing off the bank, you probably had what, two spinning rods? You know, they might have been Zebcos or two closed face rods. To be honest, they might have been one like the, the Zebcos of my grandpa's from like the 1960s. And then what were you using? Just a cork and some crickets or I, worms? Or I don't remember what I was using. Uh, he was using like a very small grass hopper topwater. Okay. So very, very small. Yeah. Yeah. And I might have been using worms or something. I don't know. And, you know, that wasn't the first time fishing, right? We've done bluegill fishing, catfishing. And that's usually what we did more of growing up was catfishing from the bank and all. Um, but yeah, but that was the first memory, but of many memories, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like plenty of days, plenty of afternoons, whatever the case may be spending with your dad, probably your dad's friends and stuff like that. Fishing, whatever the case yeah. may be, um, memories that you make that are absolutely priceless. Yeah. You can't put a price tag. You can put a price tag on some cheap monofilament probably at the time with a cheap closed face rod with a cheap topwater lure and that's all you needed right hopefully you had a fishing license your dad or whatever but still like at the end of the day like it's it it costs less than to fill your truck up with gas right now yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so but yeah man i mean like that's and that's how you got into fishing your dad just taking you to the bank and getting yeah that up, was right? the first introduction and again went a few times over the years and you know, I, I got more when I was spending summers back in Missouri using my uncle's pontoon boat. Like they didn't have a trolling motor and stuff and yeah. catching topwater bass in the summertime. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I think the great thing about this sport and hobby is that that bug can hit you at any time. Mm -hmm. like mine was like, I, I just want to start doing this, but I want to be able to go where I want to go and really dive into it. And I was, I don't know, I was probably 23 at the time. Yeah. Still, still young, but I didn't have a... I could probably count the number of times on my hand we actually went bass fishing yep. growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Pete, what about you, man? What's your, if you can remember, because I know you grew up in an all fishing family, but if you can remember that one memory that got you into it, what would it be? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I grew up fishing like it was just what we did, um, but it was everything. You know, I don't, I don't have a lot of early memories, but I know like from pictures, you know, catching bluegill and stuff on uh, on a bobber. My dad, I never owned a push button reel. Uh, my dad, from the time I started fishing with him, forced me to learn how to throw a, a regular open faced Mitchell three hundred. Mm. We had a pile of them. Best reels ever made were the old Mitchells. Uh, so, you know, that's what I started on. And and the first, I would say, when I got hooked on bass fishing, and the first bass I really remember catching, I was probably five. And uh, we owned we owned some family property on a little uh, a little private pond. That's like a thirteen acre pond, and we were up there in the spring doing some work. 
and uh, there was probably about a four four or five pound female on a bed and my dad seen it and he goes come come on with me and uh, i remember he had a texas rigged tequila sunrise curly tail worm and he flipped that joker out there and that fish ate and he set the hook and i'm you know i'm probably looking at butterflies and stuff and he goes Hey, I think I got one. And hands me the rod, and I remember reeling that thing in and just running around, showing everybody this big old, uh, you know, this big old largemouth. And there was this um, whole another story. But the lady that lived next door to our property was actually a concentration camp survivor. Um, wow! And she, I remember she was out there watching on the porch, and she's yelling, "Oh, Peta, you catch me a big one!" And she's yelling down with her accent. That was a terrible accent, but. Um, and so like, then I had it. So then every, like every weekend I'm like, dad, let's go. We called it the lake. I'm like, let's go to the lake. Can we go to the lake and go fishing? And from then on out, I remember like, it was just, it was just what we did. Like when we had free time, we went fishing, you know, in the winters in the North, you don't fish a whole lot. We did some ice fishing, but usually we're hunting then. But as soon as, as soon as you get back out in the water, like we were trout fishing in the spring when ice was off, uh, then the bass started, you started doing that. We started fishing some tournaments with my dad. At a pretty young age, just out of a bass tracker. I mean, until I was 20, probably 22 years old was when my dad finally bought a bass boat. And it was an old used one, but we, we fished tournaments in the 17 foot bass tracker with a nine, nine, like all over the place, won a ton of money out of that boat. Uh, But all through high school, man, I, I had a group of friends and that's what we did. Like we would get off school. We would go home. Our moms would, one of our moms would drive us and drop us off somewhere. We'd fish till dark. They would pick us up. Then we got driver's license and it was, I mean, that was what we did. And it probably kept us out of a lot of trouble, Yeah, you know, because that was literally, we would have the rods and stuff and, you know, in the truck and school would be done and everybody would pile in the vehicles and we'd drive down to the river and stay there till we had to be home at nine o'clock or whatever time and, and go home. Probably hurt my grades, but it, it kept me from, <laughs> kept me from getting involved in, uh, in any other nefarious activities. So, I mean, I'd take a C over jail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and we grew up, you know, we're all pretty similar age and I, I know looking at our statistics, if they're somewhat accurate, a lot of folks that listen to us are in that, you know, 28 to 40 range. I mean, that was a time when drugs and all that were getting really bad. Like I remember right. I could have gone into the bathroom at the high school yeah. and bought anything I want, like you name it and you could have bought it in the bathroom off somebody. And it's like, no, nah, I got 50 bucks in my pocket. I'm going to run up to Gander mountain and buy me a new spinning rod or something. I'm not going to, yeah. You know, I'm not going to waste it on on drugs. So it it truly did probably keep us out of trouble. We, you know, because everybody called us rednecks. I grew up in a pretty yeah. pretty suburban area, and um, that was just what we did: drive our big old Tonka trucks. That's what everybody used to call our trucks, yeah. even though they were just I think, like Dodge. Did, did you have like a Skeet Reese style Tonka truck? No. Oh no, I didn't have. Well, he, he's got the Ford, what <laughs> like F six fifty or something. I don't know. Five thousand and fifty. So. Yeah, I mean, really, that that bass is what got me hooked on bass fishing. But as far back as I remember, we were fishing somewhere doing something, and my my dad's dad didn't fish really, so my dad was kind of the one that got involved, and then and then from there we had friends that, that did it, and so we would go with them and, and do that kind of stuff. But um, man, a lot of lots of good memories as I think mm-hmm. about just and bad. We almost died a couple times. Sunk oh, a boat, oh sunk yeah, in thirty four degree water on Lake Erie yeah. one time. Well, we'll have to get like, your dad on sometime and tell that story. Yeah, that was a bad one. <laughs> and you gotta have it's your truly dad a miracle tell the that story. I'm here. Like honestly, yeah, we'll we'll get him on next time he comes. Yeah. Down. Well, for for those who can actually see us, this table 
when we mentioned it a, a few times, but Pete's dad made this table and, and brought it all the way down from PA. Mm -hmm. And this thing weighs like, I don't know, at least 16 tons. Yeah. Uh, so it was a yeah. joy uh, bringing it in here in the room. But um, you got to have his dad tell the stories um, because there's no other way that anybody mm -hmm. could tell him like him. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We'll have to put a, an e tag on that one. But but <laughs> but but you yeah. But you know you you said something. You said, man, you in your facial expression right there, your eyes widened up like you you got a smile on your face, and it basically just unlocked some memories. It was like and, my life flash for you, man. Just thinking about there you go. You don't think about that stuff all the time, but then you start talking about it, and it's like, man, yeah. It's crazy. You, you can't you can't put a number on that stuff, um, and and you know tying it back to like how you get someone in, into fishing or man why you, you may need to get somebody into yeah. fishing right to create to unlock some of that imagination to create some memories. There's a lot of people out there that literally go through the daily grind and it's like Groundhog Day and they really don't have a they feel like they don't have a sense of purpose or they just don't have anything to look forward to. We all get in that rut. Like I yeah. mean I've been in that rut before. Right now with my long days at work like I just feel like I have no time to even think. Um heck it was even hard to think of a podcast we were going to shoot, right? Uh but then we we started unlocking some memories, mm -hmm. you know, and and talking about this stuff. So just seeing both of your guys as nonverbals like as you start talking about your experiences um, makes this hobby, right? Because yeah. it is a hobby yeah. or a sport or whatever. Uh, it makes it worth it. it. And it's not for everybody though. I'm, I'm glad you brought up like using it as a tool to get people out of a dark place because it really, I mean, and we've all done it our whole lives, but I remember like, um, going through a tough time. I was, I was not making the best choices in life. I was an adult at that point, but, uh, had gone through, you know, bad relationship, blah, 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 the, the normal stuff. And, I remember my buddies, man, just constantly hammering my phone and texting and calling, like, you need to come fishing, get out of the house, let's go, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And finally, one day, you, like, drag yourself out, and it doesn't take long, and you, like, got the bug, and you're like, okay. And then your weekends, and you start doing more positive things. So, like, if you if you know somebody that's feeling a little down, even if they've never fished, like, just getting outside is good, and, and it's a yeah. good way to get somebody out. I mean, my mom doesn't fish, but she'll, she'll go out on the boat with my dad and, she lays on the deck up there while he's or on the back deck while he's fishing and reads a book and suntans just just because it's good to get out on the sun you get to spend time with people get some vitamin um, d get some right. vitamin d but yeah it is, it's definitely a tool you can use uh and there, you know there's more organizations we've talked about some of them they're trying to use that to help our heroes you know our, our veterans uh even even our police fire ems doctors nurses you know all those folks that have had to deal with so much over the last 20 years yeah. Uh, when you think about, you know, war and, and just civil unrest and everything going on in the country and the pandemic and and just the craziness that our life is like for now for me, like when I get fishing, I just like I don't have to think about any of that. Whether I'm That's fishing right. a tournament or it's just Trey and I or Ben and I or the three of us are out there uh, or I'm with my wife and we're all just busting each other's balls and just having fun. And you don't <laughs> you I literally have never been on the water and thought like, man, I can't believe this is going on. It's yeah. like, no, that you don't, that stuff completely gets yeah. pushed out of your it, head. It's it, That's a great point. And I want to hear about yours in a second, Trey, one of your earliest fishing memories. But the great thing about fishing, and again, it's not for everybody, but everyone, you know, processes being out in the water differently, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of folks just do, do it for an escape to push everything out. A lot of, right. Um, a lot of people are doing it for a competitive thing. Um, 
you know, me personally, like I'm out there. It's not a, this is going to sound weird. So I love fishing. It's relaxing for me because I'm not focused on their stuff, but it's also not relaxing because yeah, I get so frustrated sometimes at these silly little green <laughs> fish. Like, it's just like, come on now. I, I, I and now with life school, like I can see you're there and you're looking at my bait and you won't eat it. Right. So, you know, I can get frustrated and high strung on the water sometimes, you know, you get a backlash or something, but, but still like then I'm focusing on that, you know, that type of stuff and not, you know, all the ancillary things that may be going on in the world. But answer this. You get frustrated. You get irritated. They're not biting. You see they're there. You get a backlash. You tie a bad knot. Whatever. How many times have you just said, that's it. I'm done. I'm leaving. Un like you're at a job and you're doing whatever job you're doing and you're just annoyed because the people around you suck or, and you just, or you just don't like that day. And you're like, dude, I just can't wait to go home. Do you think like that on the water? Like, yeah, I'm just going home. So, I mean, I'm I mean for gonna, you, it's I'm not going to say I haven't said it. So I've so, never actually followed through. So it is different for me now because I live on a body of water. So when I can go out and, I can tell right away if it's going to be like if they're, if they're really on and chewing or if it's really going to be a struggle. I'm like, well, there's about nine other things I can go do. I'll come try tomorrow afternoon. I can just literally walk off my porch and there it is. Right. So it's a little bit different than that. But like used to when I go to big lakes, you know, or, or big, but our home lakes here, Jordan Harris and stuff. When you're out there, like you're out there. Yeah. Yep. And you're not going to stop in the first hour or two. Yeah. Right. You're going to go at least probably four or five, six, seven hours. And we've all been there. We, We've gone 12, 14 hour days in the summertime just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so like my situation is kind of unique in that regard because it's just such a small lake. Like you go check the spots. You're like, well, mm, they ain't going to eat. Yeah. They're not quite in the mood today. But you still got outside. Oh, yeah. You and still I'm, got on you know, your boat. You could have walked the bank, whatever the case. Yeah, may yeah, be. yeah. I just know for me that even if I don't, I, I've had plenty of days where I haven't caught a fish. Yeah. Plenty of days. Most of the time it's in the winter. But plenty of days where I'm just like, but it's so hard for me to stop. Like I have, I have to tell myself, I literally have to go home and I have to pick up my kid from school or I have to pick up dinner or whatever. There has to be a task for me to like quit or I'm going to run it until dark because I just, I enjoy it, but I enjoy the challenge. Right. But it's not, not necessarily the challenge for everybody. You know, it just, there's so many different opportunities and it unlocks for people. So. But you want to hear about mine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we, I grew up, uh, well, I moved around a lot as a kid, but like primarily where I spent the majority of my time was on a lake house. But when I say lake, I mean like a really big, big, big mud puddle. But in that mud puddle was all the multi-species for the for northern strain. Lar uh, largemouth were in there. Pike were in there. Bowfin, or we call them dogfish up north, catfish. And at the very bottom, I think I think there might have been lake trout or something in there too. Um, but as far as fishing goes, I really grew up salmon fishing. Mm -hmm. um, whether it was you know on the big lake in Lake Michigan trolling because my dad had a, a boat. A he actually had a um, what are those boats called? It wasn't a Thompson. It was a. Uh, anyways, I can't remember what it was called, but it was a it was a twenty eight footer. And we would troll during the summertime. And I just remember being out there. And that actually wasn't. Was it a trophy? It wasn't a trophy. I can't remember what it was called. I'll have to revisit it. But um, anyways, uh, that was 
not as fun. I remember that being yeah. more like, dude, I'm ready to go home, right? Yeah. Because yeah. there'd be days where you weren't catching crap or you'd be getting tore up by the flies. But fast forward into the September, October time frame when the Kings were making the run up the river systems. Um, I would go up there with my dad and I have some pictures of this. Uh, actually, today's my dad's birthday, uh, believe it or not. But so I would go up there every year with my dad and we would just I would be the guy that would net the fish. Right. Because it would be really hard for a little kid to catch those 20, 30, 40 pound kings. But I remember I remember when I was like six years old, I was up there and my dad handed me the rod. We were up at Tippy Dam, which is in the Manistee River in Michigan. And he handed me the rod and dude, it was on like it was on. And back in the day you could snag, right? It wasn't illegal. So like, it didn't matter where the fish was hooked. And so it was like raking these giant beasts of salmon in. And I remember getting it in my dad netting it. And then I remember him saying, Hey, hold this bowl underneath the fish's butt. And he threw, it was a female. So he threw it over his shoulder. And as soon as he did that, all the all the eggs, yeah. we call it the skank, would come out. And then we'd sit there right on the shoreline. A little bit of caviar. And, right. And we'd, before you had to actually borax your stuff, um, if it came out of the same water, you're good. And then we would literally tie our own spawn sacks and go right back at fishing, right? If we'd use Cleo's spawn sacks, but a lot of times it'd be lead weights with treble hooks on them and stuff. But that just got me so intrigued with catching fish. But I will say that but between joining the Army in 2005 to 2000, really in 2014, 15, there was a huge gap for me of not fishing. Um, and you hear that a lot. Out of, I'm, I'm sure your friends say mm -hmm. it all the time, mm -hmm. man, it's been 20 years since I've been fishing. Uh, and they always say, man, I'd love to go fishing. I'd love to go fishing, but they just never do it. And for some odd reason, I was just like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I signed up. And I still got the picture. I'll have to send it to Pete so we can post it. But it's like a little Plano tackle box, which I still have in there, and two spinning rods that I went and fished my very first bass tournament. And I, I didn't even have a clue what I was doing. But I had so much fun. It was two fish. We caught the whole day. I was on Jordan Lake, like nine hours, straight up pissing down rain. And for some odd reason, it was the most enjoyable thing yeah. I had done in years, man. And then that unlocked a lot of those memories, you know what I'm saying? So for me, that's kind of how like, yep. Like Pete, like you grew up in a fishing family, fished multi-species and stuff, but I really didn't get hooked on the species until recently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's just something about bass and you know, I, I there was a period of time where we didn't really bass fish. We got really heavy into musky fishing and traveled around, you know, throwing, throwing giant baits on big, heavy telephone poles which you can do for bass now i mean we caught a lot of bass doing that bass i wish i had a cell phone to get pictures of because i know there were some giants back then but you know those were like trash fish when we were musky fishing. yeah yeah um you know that's interesting about bass fishing is that I mean, part of the reason is that there is such an industry behind it and there mm -hmm. is i mean the most talked about right especially like you know kind of our formative years late 90s early 2000s again we didn't do do a lot of fishing then or at least i didn't um but it was all over TV and like, well, it was everywhere. Right? I mean, with the the non endemic sponsors yeah. back there, you walked into a, you know, you walked into a gas station and Kevin Van Dam yeah, was holding yeah. a bag of Doritos. Like, so like <laughs> we we grew up seeing that, 
uh, even if we weren't into the sport at the time. But but two, like bass were just they're just ubiquitous. Like there were all 49 states. You can catch them shallow all year long. You know, we all know there's summertime in the south, like it's harder to catch them shallow, but you you can still catch fish shallow on the bank in the summertime because mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. do it all the time. Um, and you can and, and the thing about bass is that they're so aggressive that you can fish a bazillion different ways and catch yeah. them. And it goes back to the imagination, like put a hot dog on you. You can yeah. catch a bass. hundred percent. I caught him on a piece of grass before. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like on a hook. Yeah. I mean, I Literally. caught him on a, on a straight hook. Yeah. I caught him on a piece of candy. Yeah. yeah. Like, Are you using a gummy worm? No, I was using one of those <laughs> orange slices and dragging it across the top of duckweed. <laughs> it's just, or duckweed. Uh, and it just top water blow up on the Cape Fear River. There's a That's video cool. going around social media now of a guy catching, catching a big old largemouth on a croc. Did you see that one? On a croc? It's like a little kid's croc. What he put he put a treble hook in the bottom, one out of the back with a feather on it, and somehow put an eye with a wire through it so he couldn't pull it. And he's throwing it out there, and he was just twitching it real fast across the surface. And it's like four and a half pounder comes up and just freaking <laughs> swallows it, dude, on a bright pink little kid's crock. Speaking of which, top water that's the other thing like bass, they will hit top water a lot, and right just about year round. Yeah. Outside of like this really cold fall weather. Yeah, yeah, and there, but there's still some guys who swear they'll throw buzz baits in like 55. As soon as it hits 50 degrees. On yeah, it, exactly right. Mm -hmm. And I a few years ago when the heavy hitters were here, like Jacob, I think it was Jacob, we always catch them on a frog in Harris, and the water was like 55. No, that was Dave yeah. Lefebvre smoked them on a frog in Harris. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, he caught a pile of them on a frog in Harris, and I'm like, I can't even hardly ever get bit on a frog in Harris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So I mean, and that's part of the reason why you know. It, so popular right because anyone can access them pretty much and, and that goes back to what i said like there's no right or wrong way to do it like we were blown away that he was catching him on a frog in march but he had no problem picking that up and throwing that frog that's like, right that's what he was comfortable doing and knew he could get bit and he did it and that's why that's why it's so cool and if you join a club and you do tournament fish or you get a group of friends that do and you all fish different like fish the same body of water and you talk afterwards I almost guarantee you that everybody caught them doing something a little bit different. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like either they might, you might all be throwing a wacky rig, but I guarantee it's three different colors, or you were doing three different things with it, or different location. You know, a different location. Somebody was shallow. Somebody was mid depth. Somebody was deep. Like, there's no right or wrong way, and that's for me. That's always kind of been been the allure. Is it's not you're not fishing against anything but yourself and and what the lord provided us like it doesn't matter what the other people are doing uh and that's when you get caught up in doc talk and all that we've talked about that like you know um, not catching other people's fish like just go out and do what you want to do and like however you want to do if you want to catch fish in six inches of water when it's 91 degrees look i i was actually just talking to my wife about this like when i first got down here and first started fishing like the only thing i did on jordan lake regardless of the time of year was flip jigs on laydowns. Uh, I flipped the tetris rig on laydowns. Yeah, pile of fish. And then I said, I got to learn how to do other things. I don't catch nearly as many fish as I want. That's right. When I'm flipping jig on laydowns, I'm yeah. like, she's like, yeah, you're right. You hardly ever fish yeah. a jig anymore. I'm like, that's because I want to catch them doing other things. But I need to just go back and do what I know worked for me in the summertime, like on Jordan. There's one cobot. I'm sure you could. There's just standing little laydowns right all in there. You just take a little Texas rig trick worm and. You're bound probably to pick up two fish going through that cove and all. And, you know, they weren't big or anything, right? But, and so that's why we probably transitioned to other spots looking for those bigger fish and improve our game. But I, one memory I have, although this was October, it wasn't 
quite summer, but I'm going in that cove, my little spot. I'm going on and I see a bat, and you know how dirty Jordan is. Mm -hmm. But I see this bass almost on the surface, just nosed up in like six inches of water with his nose up against the lay down. You know how they get they yeah. And I'm like, oh, I see you. And I literally flipped him on his head and he, he picked it up and had him in the boat in like three seconds. <laughs> like I was like, I called my shot on that yeah. one. I'm like, you know, that rarely happens unless it's spawn. Yeah. And then you gotta work them. So that so that was cool. I, I did want to ask you guys kind of your your favorite maybe tournament fishing memory because we've all tournament fish and i i asked that because you know we've talked about being young and, and just going out and having some great memories that but we're all interested in this we talk a lot about tournaments and all and it, it is a competitive level and we've all had bad ones we probably mm -hmm. had more bad ones than really great ones so i just like what's your favorite memory where everything kind of went right trey you want to go first yeah man like so that's a that can be a loaded question right like everybody loves to win um and listen like this is transitioning into tournament stuff as has been talked about um and i do have i do have questions for you guys after the fact too uh or not after my story but later on um tournament fishing man so there's there's two of them and they're both wins i've won a few tournaments and stuff but the first tournament that i ever fished by myself out of my boat when I didn't have a spot lock trolling motor, when I really didn't have really a clue. I had the, the hook fives that came yeah, yeah. standard on the boat. Yeah. And, and I was done with my probationary period in, in the old club I used to fish. And I, dude, I was so jacked. I was so jacked. I was so pumped up. I was like, I felt like I was a, a big kid now you know, even though I'm like 30 something yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, all right, dude, this is it. Like, I'm, this is it. And so I go out, uh, and, and I, well, I was fishing Sharon Harris, right? Everybody hates Sharon Harris, but I love it. It's my home lake I would consider. And, uh, it's a hard lake to fish tournaments. Uh, I knew that, but I, I dedicated myself to, to fishing where I believed the fish were at. I didn't, didn't really have much knowledge, this, but I was this pre was there grass. No, there? there was no oh, grass. So this is after the grass. This is after okay. the grass, grass kill. And dude, first couple hours in the morning, I catch one keeper, which was under 16 inches. And then I, I went through a whole slew of like 16 to 19 inch bass. Mm -hmm. And I was catching them all on a chatterbait, a bladed jig, a chatterbait. It was a chatterbait. Yeah. G man, original chatterbait. Um, your Walmart specials, man. And I was having a blast, but, and then I, I went to a spot and I stood on my trolling motor facing into the East wind, right? East wind. Yeah, yeah. And, and for all the old wives tells East wind, wind. Out the, uh, wind out of the East fish bite the least. Yep. Mm -hmm. Fish out of the or wind out of the West fish, bite the best facing into an East wind, controlling my trolling motor, throwing a five XD sexy shad crankbait, uh, with, I don't even remember what size line with, I don't even remember what size reel or what reel and rod combination. All I know is I caught an, uh, a fish that was over 20 inches and another fish that was under 16 inches. And I won the tournament, my very first tournament that was, and then the same year, um, I know it's long. And then the same year, the very last tournament of the year, I fished a lake, Lake Randleman where I never had been before. And it was in November. It was brutally cold at the time. 
There's no map card for that lake. I don't even know if I had updated graphs anyway, so when it mattered. And everything just – I caught four fish all day on a white spinnerbait on isolated rock chunk. But after the second fish, it was like something clicked, man. I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about when they mean find a pattern. Yeah. And I won the tournament with like 13 pounds for four fish. And so those are the two – I know you asked about one, but like that year was the most memorable year of tournament fishing. I'll never forget it, man. It was, it was such a cool experience. Um, and I'll circle back around to my questions later. You know, it's, it's interesting that sometimes those years just go right. Cause I had a similar experience in, I think in 2017, it was my first full year with the club. And, um, but the one I'll talk about here, um, Lake McIntosh in October. And this video is on YouTube. If you go to the YouTube channel, you can go back there and you can see everything that I did. But on that lake, I, I had practiced. I ran all the way west. It's about six miles long under two bridges. Uh, I don't know if either one of you guys have been to Lake no, McIntosh. Nope. But um, at the ver almost the very west part of the lake, it makes a 90 degree dog leg south, right? And it goes maybe a quarter mile and then dog legs right, 90 degrees. And basically, it dries up there. If the water's a little hot, you can, you can get back there. But that's basically as far as you can go. So in practice, I, I'd been catching them, crankbait, jig, Texas rig there. Okay, I, I think. So on tournament morning, I run there. But I stop right when you go under that second bridge. And I pull up a little cove there. Because my plan was to make my way down there. You know, wait, make my way to the juice. First cast, five-pounder. KVD splash top water and they say no oh, that's you never catch a fish in the first one that's bad two cast letter four pounder couple of small ones anyway I basically that that little stretch there I rotated all day on both sides of the bank it's really narrow and I had a six pounder hit out the boat and I I would put that I I, I think I had seven or eight bites all day Two of them came off, so I put six in the boat, so I cold one out. I would only put down that top water when I had arthritis. You know, my <laughs> hands were so sore yeah. for working that I pick up a crankbait or a jig and drag around for five or ten minutes. I'm like, well, this ain't working. So I'm gonna and, and like I said, it's seven bites all day. I went a long time without bites, but I knew it worked. And I ended up weighing in uh 22 point eight pounds. And like I walk it up, and he's like, "Oh, he guys." I was like, "Yeah, I got a decent bag." And everyone's just like, "Holy crap!" Because I think the <laughs> second had like twelve or fourteen pounds or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was just the only time I've blown. I think everyone out because the other one I won that year was a lot closer. It was like twelve pounds over two days, right? Tough, tough on the Chowan River in August or whatever it was. Yeah, it was just one of those things that magical days that went right. It was just like, yeah, it's just meant to be sometimes. And you cracked it over a 20 pound bag, dude. Yeah, when it's your time, it's <laughs> that's still my best tournament bag ever. Yeah. You know, I've had a couple of days where I've caught more. Um, and that's interesting because I have never, like, for everyone for everyone listening, I've never won a tournament with a limit. Never. Like I've won, I think, like four or five club tournaments. Um, and yeah, like. Yeah, I've never won a tournament with a limit of bass. That's crazy yeah. to think about that. That is. That's wild. Yeah. What about you? What, what you got, man? So I uh, 
two two I have to share real quick. So the first one was the first one I ever fished. I was probably 10 years old, and uh, they didn't do a number draw blast off. They did a everybody idle out to the no wake zone, get to the edge of no wake. The tournament director blew an air horn on a bullhorn, and everybody just went. Shotgun blast. Yeah, shotgun blast. <laughs> so it was on Lake Erie. I think there were 75 boats. Uh, so there were 74 bass boats, and there was my dad and I in our bass tracker with a 99. And uh, they blew that horn, and I just remember those bass boats. They're just blowing by us, right? We're waking, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. And like, this, so that was one that, that will always stick with me. And part of why I felt I'd much rather would have a number and like one at a time go, but that shotgun blast was, was something that kind of got me hooked. Um, and then, uh, monster truck rally. And then, honestly, yeah, honestly, a fun one for me down here was the first. Uh, the first club tournament I fished with my club, we uh, we were fishing on Falls Lake. I'd never stepped foot on Falls Lake. It was uh, it was March, I believe. The water was a little bit high. It was like two foot up. Ooh, good times. Um, it was late March. It might even been in April because I did end up I ended up losing a fish that I saw on a bed. Um, but it, regardless, I I knew what the water conditions were, so I did a bunch of map study, and I was like, I'm just gonna go in there. I'm going to put this spinner bait in my hand, uh, my springtime spinner bait, and I'll show a picture of it sometime on here. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to put my foot on the trolling motor, and I'm going to cover water, and I might catch five fish. And I rolled up to where I was going to start, and I was going to run this stretch. It had some laydowns, and and some grass was in the water because it was up. And like my third cast, I catch like a, a pound and a half fish, nothing big, but I'm like, well, at least one ate it, so. So we'll see what happens. So I go down the bank a little bit more and I'm fishing a lay down and I get to the, the left side of the lay down fishing right to the left. And I throw up in there and I take it off the first branch. Another like pound and a half. I'm like, all right, so this is going to work. I think I only ended up with like seven bites the whole day. Eight because I sight fished that one. Uh, they ended up breaking me off. But um, I ended up finishing second. I didn't win. But uh, like it was just. They all thought I was a ringer because I'd never fished them before. And I come in and take second. <laughs> and all morning I was like, I've never been on this lake. So I had two rods on my deck. I had You're a flipping like, rod and I saying, had that spinnerbait rod. You said falls in March. Falls like end of March. And that that's that can be a difference. So, yeah. You know, our club used to always go to falls in March. And like it's Dude, that it's time tough. of year, it's hit or miss. Like the weekend prior, they may be catching 30 pound bags. And the very same PBC, if they're out there like next week or two weeks later. Sometimes it takes like 14. That's like, right. I think water temp played a, plays a role. Yeah. Like it was starting to warm it's, up. It's like I said, I saw one on, on a bed. So they were starting to move up. The water was high. It was like, I'm trying to remember. It was like 57 or 58 degrees. So they were they were slide starting to slide up shallow uh, to feed up. And uh, it had to be a little warmer. I was probably closer to 60. What year this was? Uh, well, it was last year. Okay, last so year. So I can go back and look, but. Yeah, it was just really cool to like. It was the first time I never had pre-fished a lake or spent any time on it, and I just did map study and like figured out areas where I thought would have been good transition areas for pre-spawn fish, and to go out there and have that whole plan that I thought in my head actually worked. Like, it was like one of those light bulb moments. It's never isn't that happened again since down here. <laughs> like, I mean, we could talk about frustrating tournament weekends oh. and all that. Like, uh. Let's not bring up those bad memories. No, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, like, one of the most frustrating down here for me was uh, down on the Roanoke. Like, I pre-fished the weekend before a tournament, and uh, I fished Saturday and Sunday. And Sunday, I had 
like 28 pounds before 7:30 a.m i had found a bunch of big fish like i was like i left that area after i caught them i knew there were more and i'm like i'm gonna come back in here next weekend i'm gonna smoke this and literally the next day we got temperatures unseasonably warm like 95 96 in early june and it stayed like that all week and it killed every single pad and every single creek where i'd found fish and those fish were gone they had all left because those pads died so i rolled in there and was like mm. <laughs> <laughs> and i think i weighed like one fish on the first day and then i finished out a little figured out a little something for the second day but like that's the frustrating thing but that's what keeps us going back because it's like I swear every time I have a great practice, like I bond. I'm telling you. Like, well, you know, yeah, it's always if you practice well, your tournament's going to be absolutely terrible. That's I like, think who, who, somebody made a post. One of the Elite Series anglers made a post like, I wish practice was five days and not three days because then I could be a, a five day practice. That was John Sucka. Yeah, John Sucka. John Sucka. Yeah, he posted that. I saw like, it I'd be a five day practice champion. I whatever. saw another one post yesterday, like, uh, this is my third year in a row claiming the practice championship belt. He was holding like a six pounder. <laughs> so, that um, I wanted to ask you guys, you know, fishing and tournament fishing are two completely different things. I believe they are. Yeah. Like fishing is just fishing. And and when when you talk to your friends that don't fish, they absolutely have their version of fishing, which is sitting on the bank or sitting on a boat, drinking a beer and waiting for something to tug on the line. Yep. And then you got people like us and and a lot of the tournament anglers, they know exactly what their definition of mm -hmm. fishing is. But growing up fishing for fun, fishing for fun in general, but then getting into the tournament side of it. Have you stopped having as much fun? I'll, I'll, I'll leave that open. Like, is it less fun? So for me, sometimes yes. Now, part of this is because, you know, I am out there and I try to force feed sometimes or a lot of, like, if you look at my deck, most of the rods are rigged up of, a one cast fishing product, right? Cause mm -hmm. I want to be able to go out make a video, get content using the products that, that, that I make, right. Um, to show people that they work. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's frustrating to go out there and you need to change techniques and stuff. And it's still fun and great, you know, and a great, you know, to catch fish and all, but again, you know, as you're running the business and you're going out there for, for a purpose to try to make content, um, that, Sometimes it's, it's I'm trying I'm trying to phrase this the right way because I still love catching fish. Sure. It gets and frustrating I'll, and I'll, when you it, can't right, catch them the way you if want. If I'm catching my crankbait, I'm still going to post it on Instagram. Like, look at this five or six pounder or whatever I caught out here, you know? Um, but it is frustrating that I couldn't get them to bite the jig or to buy uh, a Ned rig or something. Right. right? Yeah. Whatever, whatever, I, whatever I'm throwing. Um, but it's still a great day out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, there was a time when it for sure did, but I've I've tried to I've tried to not let it impact me as much here lately. Like, I think I posted posted something from my last tournament where like I had a really or two tournaments ago I had a really good fishing day. Like it was a terrible tournament day, um, but it was a really fun day of fishing. Like I lost fish that that probably would have put me, you know, could have cashed a check if I would have caught them. Uh, just missed opportunities, things like that. And I still had fun. I still recognize like it was a really fun day fishing, like caught a bunch of bowfin that were fun to catch. Um, 
caught a lot of bass. A lot of them were short, but it was still fun. Um, so I've, I've been trying to change my my attitude to where mindset. to where like I don't let it get me down. Like I was still out fishing. You know, Chelsea was still with me, so I got to spend time with my wife. Uh, she was fishing as my co angler. Like I was out on the water, even though it was miserable hot, and I wanted to fall out and die half the time because it was like nine thousand <laughs> degrees with a nine hundred percent humidity. Um, I've tried to change that. And I, I, I get where you're coming from. Cause we, you know, we did it some on Harris this year. We're like, we caught a bunch of fish, but they were all like either shorts or, or whatever. And we're like oh, short fish, short fish, short fish. And you're like, it's still a fish. Like it's still fun. It's still fun to catch them. I, under, I understand the point because we, we all, we want to go catch big fish. We want to say I caught five for 25 or whatever it is, you know, brag to our buddies, tell them we're on the juice and all. You can't really say you're on the juice when you catch 51 and a half pounders. I mean, that's, we're not, we're not an MLF. Well, MLF here. It used to be yeah. not the OG. You know? <laughs> so that's a good point. You know, and um, Trey, you can give your answer to your own question here in a second. You know, one of the best days I had fishing was just over a year ago. And it was on a, the flipping jig, the Snaggles flipping jig. It, we, it hadn't been released yet, right? Because uh, we hadn't gotten the iCast. Um, but I was fishing it. I didn't take cameras or anything out there. Um, not trying to make content, just going out having fun. And I caught 24 pounds in like three and a half hours. Yeah. Mm. Uh, six something, a five eight, and a five four, and it, right one was three, and then like a little dink. I was like, man, it would have been awesome to have a camera. But I still love that day. I had a great. Yeah. Obviously, I took my phone out and took pictures and stuff. Um, but that was one of the best days because I wasn't. I didn't take the cameras and stuff out. I wasn't focused. I was just going out there to have fun. Yeah. Right. So it also kind of is the mindset when you go, it's hard to go catch a 51 pound fish, <laughs> you know, during a tournament when you know you're going to need th two and a half, three pounders to catch, you know, to cash a check. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it, it's kind of, it's all, it's situa it's situational. That's right. right. You know, um, yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, one of the things you hear out of a lot of people, um, man, I'm done tournament fishing because it took the fun out of fishing. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of people that say that. Um, and, and I said that myself, too. I took a break. I took two years off from really tournament fishing because or two or three years. Well, mostly because I was deployed and doing other stuff. But I, I really did. It was my fault. It's my fault. Right. And, and I say that because I wasn't I wasn't taking the the stress and the pressure and using it for something positive like like a good amount of stress or a balanced amount of stress and and balanced pressure and some fear and some other things that's good for the human mind to feel that you know sometimes not not all the time but like it's good to have that because what that does is it challenges you like and if you go out there especially on the tournament side and you don't feel like you're being challenged and you don't really feel like it's doing anything for you then maybe it's not for you but then you got the guys who are like, it's just taking the fun out of it. Well, maybe channeling that en energy in a different way is maybe going to make it a little bit more fun. And, and if you're, if like, for instance, I don't like fishing against guys that are always going to take my money. Well, there's a difference between fishing against guys that, you know, blatantly cheat and they're going to take your money and then fishing against guys that are really damn good. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like we talked about it before. If you put Jesse Wise and Mike Corbett on falls, like I want to fish against them because I know that I'm going to have to challenge myself yeah. against two individuals who have a s extreme amount of um, talent, experience, knowledge, all the above. 
And so I want to challenge myself. And that's what keeps keeps that drive going, right? So channeling your energy is important. And I think like in the tournament world, people get so deterred by bad performances and then they blame it on something else. Like, ah, oh, it just sucks, man. This lake sucks or the fish suck or whatever, right? They want to find a way to blame something else rather than saying, maybe I'm not channeling this energy the way I need to channel it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I kind of brought that up because I did listen to an, another show and it, it was brought up and it was Mercer's show with, with Jacobson. It was great how he talked about channeling energy. He didn't talk about that specifically, but just mindset in general. And so like so many people talk about like, man, I used tournament fish, but it really took the fun out of it. So I don't fish anymore. But then there is something probably missing in that person's life. And we talk about getting into fishing or maybe getting back into fishing, right? You don't have to use tournaments and stuff like that. But I just, I wanted to ask you, know, you guys the mindset. That is, that's interesting. I don't think I fished a tournament. I might have fished one last year, but like I really haven't tournament fished in two to three years. Oh. Um, maybe a couple Tuesday nighters here and there. And, and part of it is I don't have the time to be able to practice like I would like to, mm. um, to dedicate to it. Yep. Um, two, with, with running the business, I, I run my schedule now that I'll work on Saturday, but I can go fish when no one else is on the water. Yeah. Right. Cause I hate the summertime. It gets dangerous out there in falls in Jordan with all it the does. boats it out does, there. Right. And it's hundred degrees and you try to pull up, there's five other tournaments and you pull up on every single spot you want to go to. You know how it is here. Yeah. Every brush pile, everyone knows where it's at. Sure. Practically. Um, and so, you know, that frustrates you. It, it, it does challenge you and, Maybe I need to find a better job of overcoming those those challenges, frustrations. But I honest, I have found it more enjoyable to fish when I want to fish. Yeah. The the other question I had for in this this so I actually have a couple more questions for you. I'm doing the interviews here. <laughs> um, what is what is one of the worst habits that you have? I don't change lures enough. Okay. Or change colors. Okay. I mean that's hands down number one i'm like hmm, i should probably take this off and maybe change colors or i should take this off and tie something else on or i need to dig down the bottom of my tackle box i think this actually might work yeah and i don't do it sometimes okay it's you're trying to force a bite with a bait that just may not be working yeah yeah i'm 100 guilty of that a lot of the times yeah and again some of that comes back because i want to try to catch fish on the products you know that i make but but when you do it's extremely rewarding. Oh, no, 100%. Right. But that, that goes back to what Pete was talking about, though. Like, you can fish any way you want, right? But there's a flip side of that coin. What What do you think your worst habit is? I have the exact same as Ben. I don't I don't change cut, especially colors. Like, I'll change baits, but I'm pretty, pretty hamstrung. If you look through my boat, like, you're only going to find green, pumpkin, black, and blue, and white, and that's it. Yeah, like, I'm pretty simple. I really don't have – a drop shot I'll have – you know, um, what is that color? Morning, no, dawn. morning, dawn. Summer, <laughs> I was gonna say summer's dawn, summer's Eve. Yeah. Uh, morning, dawn. Like outside of that, I don't really carry a bunch of different colors or do, do a whole lot of different things. Crankbaits are like the same. I have shad color. I have gill color and I have crog color and that's it. Like I don't know. Not really. I mean, I might have a few, but I don't, it's not something that I've really got bit on a bunch, but then there's times I've thrown it and has gotten bit, but I don't, I don't get, dedicate time to changing. And uh, it's like it's like those days when you're like, even with forward facing, you're like, man, those fish are there that should be biting. It might be something as simple as a color change, it, and I'll still won't do it because there's no reason they shouldn't bite a green pumpkin. 
Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but in, in the other one, and, and right, this also fascinates me with watching some of the elite guys is that they may be fishing a jig, but they'll they'll alternate weight sizes. Yeah. Different trailers, right, for different fall rates and different presentations. And uh I'm like if they're gonna bite a jig, they just bite the jig. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's a reason why that the attention to detail and right, that's why they're where they're at. Cause yeah. there's yeah. a whole nother level, and that's exactly it. That's why they're there, because they think like that. Well, I mean, so the other day. For example, you know, we were out on Harris, what, a month and a half ago? Yeah. And I was throwing that three-quarter ounce chowder bait because I had tied that on there or the snaggles bladed jig because um, we were fishing kind of deep and I wanted to have that right ticket on the bottom. Well, I get out on my lake, which is just now got coontail from 10 foot to 2 foot, right? That's what I had tied on. I'm like, well, I don't know if this works or not. So I chucked that thing out there. Actually, sure enough, it actually comes through that grass amazing. And he actually gets in the bottom of that grass. I caught a couple of fish that way. So that's a, that's a scenario that it actually worked. I didn't think it would. You know, going back, you just use your imagination. But instead of tying another bait, you were lazy and just threw it. Was I, already tied on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I've done that several times. Like yeah. I'm fishing, you know, a points and ledges. So I'm using a football jig. Yeah. But then there's a brush pile. I want to flip into it. Well, I just flip in with the football jig. Even though, I mean, you can do it. Obviously, it works. But obviously, you, you typically want a different type of head style so you don't get caught up as bad. Yeah. Sometimes I catch fish doing that. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It is It is interesting. I, I've gotten better. My I think my worst habit, and it was only on a couple lakes because uh, a lot of the other lakes I just don't have a lot of experience on, but I've been on them, is I've gotten better at it, but running history is is hard not to do. Oh yeah. Right. Um, and I think, you know, watch and like doc talk, right? So not doc talk as we're talking at the docs, but I consider watching YouTube doc talk. I consider reading stuff doc talk, right? When you start letting other people's opinions and their experiences shape your decision-making process, sometimes it may work out. And sometimes you may get burned doing that. That's an interesting point you bring up. And if we circle back to the beginning, like if you're going out trying to learn how to fish, all those, you know, mechanisms, right? YouTube, social media, reading the books, uh, magazines, talking to the people at the dock, that, that yeah. all plays an important to learn things. Yeah. But, but then we all know once you get a certain level of experience, you kind of know what you're doing out there. Sometimes it's very easy that you you start going second guessing yourself second and guessing but you start chasing you know fishing a way that you you're not comfortable with necessarily right. mm -hmm. yep. you know and and there are times to do that to push yourself but then sometimes you just gotta go with your instinct and be like hmm yeah it's just i'm gonna live and die by what i love to do yeah, yeah. what is something that you've learned like a new technique that so i'm gonna give you an example i'll start off I was absolutely not convinced with a pop R style bait, right? Absolutely not. Like I'm a spook walking bait type of guy, frog, um, I'm the, buzz bait. I'm the opposite. I'm right. 90% right. of the time I'm tying on a, a popper style bait. It, top it, water. it took me until a tournament this year on Falls Lake with my partner. Dude, we caught 40 over 40 fish all day long on a pop R. And I could not believe it. It gained me so much confidence. But I also find myself sometimes looking at a bait, just looking at it. And I'm like, that ain't going to work, man. 
and then I won't throw it. Even though I have it, I how many baits do you have that you just never a throw? A bunch. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's the same for you guys. No, I don't have too many that I don't throw. I mean, I might have some colors and stuff, but... Colors and plastics, right? Or probably the... But if it's in there, I probably throw it sometimes throughout the year to try to get bit on it. Um, I, I see what you're saying. Like, you, but again, like with a popar, you fish your popar completely different than the traditional way of fishing. A I do. Like you fish it like a walking. You make it walk. You're just throwing a micro I, walking bait. You don't actually pop it. I started doing so that like you put your own twist on it, and it, it's a little bit different than a regular walking bait. I never. But that's where I said like there's yeah. no. There's no right or wrong way. Like yeah. that day we fished uh, and we were we caught all those topwater fish. I was fishing the popar like a popar. I was popping <laughs> it two or three times. And you were throwing it out there like a walking bait. We were both catching fish. Yeah, like, that's true. It's just it's I, putting I, your own spin. You're more comfortable working I, it that way. You don't like making it pop, and it works for you. So that's what you stick with. You know. I, so that's where it's cool. Like I used to be the pop pop pause pop pop pause pop. My me can pick me up one day. All right, so Mike, one of our buddies that used to live on the lake, he picked me up on his, his ranger one day. I brought a frog with me because I had some, I'd been having some frog bites, warm or something. I'm fishing in the back of his boat. I don't catch a fish. I'm throwing a frog and over the grass and all. He's throwing um, a popper or a KVD splash, whatever it was. Um, no, it wasn't. I forget the actual brand, but he was walking like like a walking mm -hmm. bait, and he caught like 18 pounds right in front of me. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god. So the very next morning, I tied on. My popper style bait, and I went out there and crushed them. Right. And remember Walking that day we were out there? I was like, pick up that popper and throw it that pad right there. That's right. Yep. And there were a five pounder. Was it there. was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's different presentations. Like yeah. The same bait. I don't, I don't know if there's really a, I don't know if there's really a technique that I. So what was, what was one of the first things? Or so your first fish on a flutter spoon came this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that. I mean, I'd fished it before, but that was the first time I caught it caught a fish on it i don't know that i learned it like i knew how to throw it yeah but you're pretty good at it now but yeah. oh yeah for sure yeah yeah so that's probably this year was throwing that flutter spoon just well, getting confidence with that it. time i made that video with the flutter spoon was oh yeah everybody knows that video one yeah. of the <laughs> first times i had a lot of success on a flutter spoon yeah it's one of those things like it either works or it doesn't yeah it's that yeah. day it's either when it does work it's a ton of fun you know, so hair jig is something I hardly ever throw. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Right. And it's something I should probably do more of, especially in the wintertime. Yeah. But they're either on that or they're not. Just kind of like, yeah. just like a spoon. Right? Yeah. And a lot but of times that bites. There's only are. one bait to throw in the wintertime. And that's an A-rig. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jigging spoon. As long as I can throw an A-rig, that's what I'm throwing because I'm jokers eat it. But so <laughs> we, we talk about, we talk about getting people into fishing, but then there's also when people are in fishing, like, you know, Ben and, and Pete and myself, we're in the tournament fishing or we're just so racked up with gear that we just love fishing in general. You can still get people into new techniques, right? Like mm -hmm. I've learned a lot from Pete. I've learned a lot from you. Like the continuing, continuing education is just something else that keeps me coming back. Right. Um, you talked about the toothpick and the tail of thing. I didn't know about that until I saw it on TikTok the other day. Yeah, yeah. Not even going to lie. You know, there's so much out there and, and everybody does things different. Everybody's got strengths. Like I like to think I'm an above average bed fisherman and I'm hoping like you learn. I know my dad learns and stuff. He's oh, been yeah. Fishing for 50 years. But when we fish your tournament, the Heroes Harvest, like he didn't have he didn't understand bed fishing. And I put a lot of time into into like figuring out what you can get away with and stuff. And, you know, I had one on his bed. It ended up being a slot fish. It didn't count. I ended up throwing back 
five slot fish that day and would have had 20 pound plus bag but that's uh that's another story but uh like the first one we rolled up i seen it up there ahead of us and uh you know i pulled down and i flipped up in there and wanted nothing to do with it and he's like that fish isn't gonna bite i was like oh it'll bite so I took that white D-bomb and I flipped it in there past the bed and I reeled it as fast as I could and I smacked that fish in the side of the head and it spun around and it grabbed the pet, the things and it took it off the bed and I said, two more flips, I'll have it in the boat. I flipped it down there and did it again, wound it as fast as I could, smacked that fish in the side of the head, it fell down to the bait, it picked it up by the tail, carried it off. I said, it'll eat it this time. I wound it as fast as I could before I could hit it, that fish went. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I never would have thought you could do that to a fish on a bed. And I'm yeah. like, I've learned a lot down here. Yeah. But like, that was something that I never would have done that I learned a few years ago. And then, you know, you saw me work that one this year, uh, that like four and a half, I worked that fish for like 15 minutes, but I knew she was going to bite eventually. Yeah. Like you just learn how those fish yep. behave. Absolutely. And Trey has taught me a ton this year about offshore fishing. Cause that was something I definitely was not as confident with. And we spent a fair bit of time on Harris where there's a pretty good, I don't want to say there's pretty good. It's, it's a lot easier, I think, to learn. It's on good that. training like, ground. It's great because good there's a lot ground. of there's a lot of fish that'll school up offshore, and you can learn what to look for uh, and things like that. You get bigger schools. It's not like trying to learn on Jordan, where where the schools are are little, no. like well, or fish. Ben Ben talked about it before. Like, I, maybe it was on a live that we did, but how do you how do you get over like not catching fish? How do you maintain a positive mental attitude? And, and you said what? Catch a, fish. Catch, a fish. Catch a fish, catch a fish, right? So, like when I you're think that's going, we had Stephanie on, yeah, like yeah. when you're out there trying to train, and it is training, mm -hmm. right? It's training, education, all that stuff, having fun. Uh, it's kind of hard to do it on a lake where you're not catching fish. It's just hard. Like yeah. you just can't. Like you're just not having fun. So you're not training. Your training sucks. You're you're not learning anything, right? That's the worst thing for me when you come off the water. You didn't learn anything, and that's. One, I think that's where a lot of people like channel in that energy. I say again, like if you're trying to learn and that's part of the process and you learn something, even if you didn't catch a fish, but you're learning stuff more about like how lizards fall off the tree yeah. in the early spring, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Those types of things like that keeps you coming back for more. I want to share something with you guys. And I know that a lot of people get hit up on social media and stuff like that, but I think it's important. We talk about getting people into fishing here's my thought process on when somebody wants to get into fishing. There's a difference between wanting to learn how to fish and wanting to go catch someone's fish. Right? So I got this message the other day. It says, I'm going to have to pay you to take me out or something. I saw your stuff from X Lake and I've had zero luck there. Right? That was, that was what it was. So I could have easily sent this person. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but I could have easily sent this person waypoints, could have easily done that, but that's not the way that I want to do it, right? The way that I want to do it is I want to look at your thought process, right? So this person then sent me the message today and says, I'm actually out on this lake right now and um, we're going to see if we can, we can, you know, find them on some spots that have sharper drop-offs. That's exactly the verbiage I was used. And I was like, here's some things to think about, right? Because I want to know your thought process. Think about the current, think about the bait, think about the cover and the structure, think about the thermocline, think about the wind, the, the wind direction, right? And then some other correspondence happened. And I was like, if you find them, I was like, find the fish if you have electronics before you ever make a cast. Mm -hmm. Don't waste your time throwing where they aren't. Yep. And then if you find them on the bottom, 
hit them with a deep crankbait. And then after that, if you catch them, start finessing them. If you find them suspended, look at flutter spoons and swim baits and other techniques that are going to hit them in the middle. So like the way that I, the way that I process this information is like, it is, I don't want your waypoints. I don't want you to tell me where the fish are at. Unless it's like Peter Ben telling me like, Hey, like legitimately go to these bed fish. Like you're going to win. Right. Cause we don't have no information rules in club tournaments and stuff, but there are some ethical things with that. But when somebody's trying to learn how to fish, like you don't really do them any justice by just telling them where the fish are at. Yeah. You just don't like it, it might boost their confidence to catch a fish, but if they don't exercise their mind and think like a bass, then they're never going to learn. Right. And so that's just me. I wanted to share that little anecdote with you guys because that's been going on for months and months now. I've been sharing screenshots with you guys, like of people hitting me up and it does not bother me. Like, please send me messages. No, I get them too. Dre and I. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's great. But don't get mad at me when I don't share waypoints with you because I'm not going to do that because that's not challenging you. That is not challenging you. Now, if you're saying I'm taking my son out there and I just want to put him on some fish, might be a different story. Yeah. But a lot of people use that as an excuse to get waypoints from yeah. people as well. So I, I just think like it's important, like getting people into fishing. And then the last thing I'll say, if you're going to take somebody fishing, uh, sit down in the boat and control the trolling motor and like show them how to fish. Don't go up there and hammer all the fish right in front of them. This is just me. Like that really, I remember being a kid and like sitting right next to my cousin who's whacking all these fish and I'm not catching a dang thing. And it deterred me from even having any fun. Like I like to put the people on the fish. So like, I'm not a guide or anything, but like it really helps them when you're not whacking all the fish, that's just me. That's just a personal opinion, but I'm well, all especially about, if you're taking somebody fishing for the first time, like yeah. the point is to have them catch fish. There you go. If you don't, maybe don't take them to a tough lake, <laughs> like take them somewhere where, like where, you know, you can go out like Gaston. Yeah. You know, you know, that is go to Gaston and put it, find as one of them schools of dang spots and give yeah. them a drop shot rod and watch them catch 300, take them know, under any bridge, half a pound dang fish <laughs> and just have the time of their life. Yeah. It's, and then, you know, you can start to, to sprinkle in the, the harder <laughs> stuff, but, that a is, lot of folks will be like, I went fishing on a boat for the first time. Well, where'd you go? Jordan Lake, and we never got bit. Yeah, probably not where I would have went the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things, and that's some great advice there, I think, as, as we're kind of coming to the conclusion here. If, if you're taking somebody out fishing or, or people want to learn how to fish, do it when the conditions are best, right? Unless that's the only time I have. And what I mean is try not to go out in like August and July if you're in the south, Yeah. right? Wait to the fall. It's cooler where... Where if someone doesn't have the experience, give them a spinning rod. Just Texas rig it. Let them cast around. When when you know there's a higher percentage, like there's just just cast around these logs, right? We'll yeah. go around, um, or don't probably take about like in the middle of January. Yeah, when it's super cold, unless unless you're going walleye fishing or something. Unless I don't know. you're on the <laughs> juice, uh, some spots, right? And because there you can fish very slow, and especially if they're on the bottom. But yeah, I mean, it's just you want to opt right increase the you know the chances they're going to catch a fish right so simple techniques taking um, crappie fishing i was just going to you say know, like you're, we're, yeah. we're talking bass here but you bring up a real good point like if you're just trying to get somebody into fishing and introduce them there's nothing better than grab a couple dozen minnows and some jig heads and roll out on the lake and find a school of crappie or a brush pile that's it yeah and, and just let them catch three or catfishing catfish like it doesn't have to be if somebody says take oh, me fishing i'm not taking someone they probably don't care <laughs> Like, honestly, if they're like, hey, I want to go fishing, 
if they're if they're like, hey, I want to go catch bass, that's different. If somebody that's just asks you to go fishing, like take them something where you're gonna catch fish, crappie, absolutely bluegill. Take them to a pond where you know is loaded with with little bass, and they can throw a wacky rig and catch three thousand of them. Like that yeah. that's what gets people hooked. Because yep. we we've all said it as we start to wind down. Like every single one of us has a memory of getting started. And for Ben and I, we both I don't vividly remember but i know i caught a bunch of panfish because i've seen oh yeah 100 percent. i was out catching fish and that's what made it fun my dad handing me that rod after hooking that bed fish like catching that fish is what hooked me on fishing it was the catch that hooked me and then as i as i got older and learned more like it was the challenge and figuring out behavior patterns blah 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 that that kept you interested it wasn't just going out because honestly i don't as fun as it is to catch fish if I went out and caught 40 pounds every single time I was fishing, I don't know how much fun it would be. After a while, it would get old, right? It Think was. about old hobbies you had, if you had any, like stuff that you enjoyed doing for a while, but it might have been ve- like a very repetitive thing. Eventually, you start to do it less and less, and then it's just something that's in the closet or in the garage that, that you don't do anymore because it's it doesn't challenge you or it's not something that, that interests you the way it did. With fishing, like it's different every day. Sometimes it's different after 12 hours. One thing 12 hours ago doesn't work the next day. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, take, if somebody asks you to go fishing, just take them fishing for fish that you know that they're going to catch. Let them get some fish. Let them catch some fish. Don't take them to uh, Jordan Lake in in July and August when, when the fish are deep and, and the schools are small and there's 500 other boats out there trying to catch them. Like (laughs) I'll I'll say this before I I think two things, right? Trey, if you want to take us out here in a second, but, uh, one that's okay if if they are a you know kind of a bass fisherman and like they they want to learn a new technique and yeah like that, that that's a different scenario than like a, yeah. a a novice right two hopefully I didn't find any cat fishermen out there when I said I'm not taking one catfish because there's <laughs> nothing wrong with it um, and, and to be honest like those guys who target like down in the Cape Fear those hundred pound flatheads and all like there is a real technique and knowing the spots and right and all that um, I I know nothing about that <laughs> yeah. Uh, I catch catfish when I'm bass fishing by accident. Yep. And the only other way I really know how to do it is either a trot line or you just sit there and wait. Yeah. Right. And I want to be moving around and stuff. So, yeah. you know, like in that scenario, I'm not going to be a good teacher because when I don't know, it's, it's not super enjoyable. So like with that, like also take people out when you have the most confidence to be able to do that. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Because yeah. it used to, when I was making the YouTube videos, I get hit up all the time. And take them out and to be honest with the summertime jordan fishing right for every video you see there may be four or five days that there just yep. wasn't enough footage for video and you know not being a guy not having the confidence right i'm not gonna have to take somebody out right especially they were offering to pay and i wouldn't do that because i don't I, I don't feel comfortable doing that yeah because like there is some movie magic involved you're seeing the good stuff you're not seeing the yeah. eight, eight hours of just <laughs> driving around the lake wasting gas looking yeah. at a screen you know so yeah but yeah it's not wasting gas. It's figuring out the puzzle pieces, but um, sometimes I, it's wasting gas. Yeah, sometimes it is. <laughs> Guys, definitely uh, go check out our last video with Matty Wong. I think you really like it. He talks about his journey and, and what got him into fishing. We wanted to share our experience with everybody and kind of our mindset. Uh, take somebody fishing or get somebody back into fishing. And it doesn't have to be bass fishing. Just get them in the outdoors. And for all the crap that we give the wakeboarders and the jet skiers and all those people that are out there on their pontoon boats and yachts, you know what? They're also probably doing it to, to, you know, uh, escape from other things and and get that good, that good mindset back, you know? So it's important for everybody to, uh, to enjoy what, 
what God's created for us. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all of you following along. Like I said, you know, leave us a review and uh, please share the show with your friends uh, if you like this kind of thing. And uh, Ben, Pete, you got anything else? Yeah, just real quick. Like like Trey said, you know, if you can leave us a review, uh, follow whatever whatever it is on the platform you do, it really helps us continue to grow. Uh, we keep growing and and that helps us move up in the algorithm because even with podcasts, there's an algorithm and, and there's mm-hmm. certain metrics that, that help get you out there in front of folks. So reviews are big. Uh, September 1st, we got an announcement coming. We will keep teasing that. Looking forward to bringing you an opportunity to uh, to get some gear and uh, and support a, an awesome company. And uh, I think that's about all that I have. Ben, you good? Good. All right, guys. Take someone fishing, get them back into fishing, and uh, let's create a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God. It's a toad. It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. Feel like it's going to be a bad day.